We are hosting today's broadcast from the lands of the Karingai people. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of country and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. On Sky Sports Radio, time to review the weekend's racing with our stable of experts. Effortless winner. How cosy with that? Oh, he's best yet. Who impressed? Who didn't? Horses to follow. When it's over. And your calls. Welcome to Punter's Postmortem Winter Edition. Hasn't he bounced back with a bang here? All the things that I used to say. All the words that got in the way. Yeah, good morning and welcome to Punters Postmortem on this Monday, the 12th of July. Dave Stanley with you, along with our panel of experts shortly of Dean Lester, Chris Roots and Brad Davidson. And really looking forward to this next hour and we'll take plenty of your calls on 13.53.53. Your weekend highlights, well, no doubt one of the highlights for many racing fans would have been uh, hopefully backing plenty of winners. We lost those last couple of races in Sydney due to the inclement weather on Saturday, but we got to see the sunshine coast uh, meeting there yesterday with the glass house and uh, king of hastings too good stockman for joe pride uh, very good as well in the caloundra cup plus down in melbourne jamie carr finally gets the hundred there are a few nervous moments there at the start but gets the job done on the uh, calvin mcavoy tony mcavoy trained runner and was a brilliant performance as well we'll talk with dino about that and we'll talk about uh, the future for jamie as well and you know exactly where this story will end up because it's got a lot of momentum and it doesn't look like it's it's going to be petering away any time soon we'll also discuss as well uh, other winners for the weekend. And if you've got any calls or texts, make sure you get involved with the show when we open up those lines on 13.53.53. Now, we're just waiting for Chris Roots and Brad Davison to join us. I think Dean Lester is there. Dino, good morning to you. Welcome back to the P, uh, the winter edition for the second time, mate. Uh, look, it was Jamie Carr, wasn't it? Uh, her day, uh, there was only a limited amount of people allowed there on the track at Caulfield, but uh, it was certainly wonderful to see it come through the TV. Yeah, in saying that, Dave, I think it was a pretty good crowd, actually, uh, considering winter. I don't think we'd have got a lot that, that many more. But, uh, yeah, it was fast car day. There's no doubt about that. And uh, a double there for uh, Jamie Carter to uh, put it beyond doubt that, uh, you know, Brett Preble's always saying he, he was a hundred times across the line first, even though one was a dead heat. Well, she's gone to 101 now, so she's certainly the record holder. <laughs> She certainly is. Um, I'll say good morning to Chris Roots. Chris, you penned a very good article uh, in the Sydney Morning Herald uh, on Jamie, and you, you hit a lot of key facts, mate, about her story and uh, where that story may continue on to. Yeah, it's uh, morning, Dino. Morning, Dave. One of the great stories, isn't it? When you look at look at what she's done in such a short period of time, bringing over a thousand winners in ten years, and realistically, I think it shows that. Um, racing now is becoming if you've got the talent it doesn't matter if you're a female or a male you, you'll get the, you'll get to the top of the game and Jamie's showing that and the parallels with James McDonald since he's come to Sydney is amazing and I think we'll be seeing that from, from now on also joining us, uh, Brad Davidson. Brad, we're, uh, welcome to the program, mate. We're just discussing, uh, obviously, the achievements of, of Jamie in the season overall. Um, it's extraordinary to watch up here from Sydney, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, morning, Dave. Morning, Chris. Uh, morning, Dino. And morning, everyone listening. You're right. It was uh, a tremendous moment there on on the weekend. And you can see that little bit of, I suppose, frustration and pressure build throughout the week when she missed out on a stand down on Wednesday. And uh, just to see that horse go to the front and hold on and and the cheers, and oh, it was just a, a terrific moment for uh, for Jamie and 
and uh, you know women women really. Um, I mean, it was a great 24 hours for the women uh, in general, wasn't it? With Ash Barty and, and Wimbledon and, and Nate Week and even Dylan Alcott and what he did, it was just a tremendous. 24 hours in Australian sport, guys, and uh, it was thoroughly enjoyable to watch. Dino, I'll come to you, um, and we'll just re-establish the line with Chris Roots as well. I think he's just dropped out, so we'll just re-establish that. Um, with uh, Jamie and his success, obviously it was a an extraordinary season this particular season uh, with COVID and obviously the, the movement of jockeys uh, and obviously the opportunities that Jamie was getting. Do you think now we're going to see this possibly happen again or do you just think that the way it's set up with the season and obviously carnivals that you know this was a special moment but it's going to be much more difficult to achieve for any jockey moving forward yeah uh, it's it's an interesting one Dave because she spent two week two set days in Sydney two set days in Adelaide and one in Brisbane so she's missed five Saturdays and she's missed a couple through suspension so there's probably been seven or eight Saturdays she's missed so uh, that would be probably normal for a, a carnival jockey um i would think that uh it'll be just whether the you know the uh build-up of, of actually achieving that because it's, it's been so much higher than the the recent uh winners of the premiership the re- recent winners of anywhere between sort of 60 and 80 winners in melbourne and uh, a lot of the leading riders do travel that last three months so they've all been here but she's uh yeah certainly Set the benchmark uh, very high. I think the one that's waiting in the wings for next season will be Craig Williams. I think uh, Craig's virtually just had a pretty easy time of it the last eight weeks, knowing he couldn't win the premiership. But he's he really wants to at least equal Roy Higgins's record, or maybe better it of eleven premierships. He's on nine, so uh, he's got a bit of work to do. And uh, he'll be, I think, first week in August, he'll come out firing. Mm. Chris, we've had this discussion before on Racing HQ, and Brad, I'll get a comment from you and also a comment from you, Dino. Um, do we have a issue in racing where we have an amazing achievement like this with Jamie? Yes, it was on the front page of the Herald Sun, um, but the racing bubble, obviously, we all know about Jamie Carr and we know about the achievement, but if we went to our local Coles and we had Jamie with us, not I would say, and I could be wrong here and could be on the wrong side of the ledger, but I would say a lot of people wouldn't know who Jamie was. Is that the problem with racing these days, is that in our little bubble, we know the story, we know the great narrative, but we don't really know how to get the outsiders, who don't really have an interest in racing, but they need to know our stars, get, get their eyes in front of them? It's amazing what, how sports evolved in the last couple of years, last couple of decades, Dave, because what it's become is that um, most sports have gone uh, are going insular, so you you end up if you're interested in the sport, you get to see you you concentrate on it, and because the mainstream media now doesn't have that much um, live racing on it, and it's not it's not something you know we used to have the daily double on um, on the news and things like that. It's not it's not forefront of people's minds, but achievements like this bring bring people closer to racing. I think the last twelve months. Racing has had a great opportunity to sell itself back to the public, and I think it's getting some cut through now. I think Jamie Carr is probably as well known as any female athlete in the country now. I'd say she's up there alongside Elise Perry and uh, Elise Perry and and Anna Sam Kerr because um, just what happened there and, and Ash Barty. She's on the front page of Ash Barty. That, that's that's the rare air she she's in, and it's going to be interesting to see how this develops in the next couple of years and whether people come back and support 
Jamie Carr at the races. Dino, you're going to make a comment there. Oh, I was just going to say exactly what Chris said about the the front page of Saturday's paper uh, to have it as day of destiny and to have uh, Ash Barty on the uh, verge of winning a Wimbledon crown uh, and Jamie Carr sharing it uh, and. I think, you know, obviously, uh, the Wimbledon crown is, is the most coveted title uh, in tennis, but uh, for Jamie Carr to be beating the boys uh, certainly, you know, certainly adds that prestige too. It's not just, uh, you know, just the, the one gender sport. She, she goes out at level, level weights, level playing field, and, and gets the money done. All right, let's talk some racing, boys. Uh, and while it's at the forefront uh, of uh, our minds, um, there's a, a lot of text here, and I don't know if you guys... We're across the Sunshine Coast meeting yesterday, but um, they were very interested in the win of King of Hastings uh, in that glass house and up on speed. It seemed like he just didn't like that Eagle Farm track. And I'll come to you here first, Dino, um, because it was a great win, Taylor Marshall up on speed. It was, Dave. Uh, he's uh, he's a very good you know, Group 3 listed sort of horse. That's the sort of race that uh, would suit him well. And... Uh, I thought he ran pretty well behind away game uh, at uh, in the Healy Stakes, so uh, it was no real shock yesterday that he won. The the um, interesting thing was that he uh, he got the job done at uh, fourteen hundred metres. So I thought that was probably the next thing he probably had to do, and he actually did it very well, as you said, rode the speed and and was strong to the line, beating another Victorian in Charlize, who's uh, covered the uh, Eastern Seaboard in recent times, running in Melbourne, Sydney, and now up to. Uh, to the glass house uh, yesterday at the Sunshine Coast and ran very well. It, it's uh, another feather in the cap, isn't it, uh, for the uh, the Friedman name router across the country? I know it's only a glass house in the group three and they'll win bigger races, but just continuing on their success uh, with that name. Yeah, and they, obviously, obviously this horse was one of, the, one of those horses that found a couple of lengths off Eagle Farm when it got away from that, that track and just travelled so well yesterday. You, Coming to the turn, it looked the one to beat, and Charlie's come off its back and just couldn't make any ground the last couple of hundred metres. A really, really strong win. I think Dino hit the nail on the head. You know, Group Group Three horse probably, probably, probably is sort of race you thought it was capable of winning. It's whether they can convert it into a Group Two, maybe even a Group One horse. And I think races at fourteen hundred metres, there's not that many around. But a race like a Rupert, Rupert, Rupert Clark might be the. Um, the golf for it in the spring. Uh, Dave, I know you've been doing the gardening, mate, and on holidays. Did you catch any of the Sunshine Coast yesterday? I did. I watched a bit of it. It was a uh, yeah, a strong win there by King of Hastings, no doubt. And, I mean, a horse that well, has been amassed more than 550000 in prize money there from 18 starts is doing a good job as a four-year-old, no doubt. Just back to the, the Jamie Carr discussion there earlier, guys. Yep. I'm, I'm probably in a bit of a green with you, Dave. Um, I, I think we need to do more. I, like, I, I use a good case study of of my partner and my sisters and my mother if i asked them who jamie carr was they would not have clue at all and um i don't think we do enough in the racing game to promote our stars um particularly out to the mainstream and also i don't think we do enough in terms of the fight back against you know all the criticism of, of around melbourne cup time and, and welfare we don't we don't do enough to, to show the stats and to show the the love and all this sort of stuff. I think I think we've got a long way to go with, with stuff like that, and I think we do get caught in the bubble a lot. And um, yeah, like I said, if I if I asked my partner or my sisters who Jamie Carr was, they wouldn't have a clue. Mm. Um, they'd know who Ash Barty was. So that's definitely a, a bridge that we need to um, we need to cross them on. Yeah, no, and 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 that's kind of uh, where I was getting the question from because 
my partner and then also you know other other and I'm I'm talking uh, females here males that follow sport um, seem to know who Jamie is especially those that love a punt and obviously most of my friends uh, are punters but a lot of their partners when uh, we had the discussion the group chat had absolutely no idea now whether that's just their their interest um, but as you then sort of have said Brad uh, they do do know who Ash is they do know who these other um, particular sports people are. But it, again, yeah, racing's in a, in a good enough spot uh, in our own world that you know we can start hopefully entrenching on on others. Um, Brad, I'll come back to you here and I'll go back around the table. What about the win of our Playboy in the Wink Stakes? I can't believe it. Uh, I backed um, I backed our Playboy at Ipswich, left it in, thought, oh well, not uh, just not the preparation, and then it comes out and wins. Well, it wins like Winks. Unbelievable, wasn't it? How strong it was through the line. I mean, gee whiz. You're right, in the wing skinnies and came from, what, last and, and beat them by six lengths, uh, the way it was going. I know a few good judges who were tipping it, um, a few up there in Queensland that were that were, were tipping it off a few forgive runs and whatnot, but I don't even think they would have thought he'd come out and win like that. But, gee, it was exciting, no doubt about it. And, um, yeah, it'd be fascinating to see if we can back it up next up. Yeah, I'll come to you, Chris. Um, our playboy yesterday, mate, just romping away for them, and another winner too for, for Mick Price and Mick Kent Jr. They're, they're just, I mean, I know this horse is not one of their stable stars, so to speak, um, considering some of the artillery they've got for the spring lined up, but, you know, he's a nice, honest Sebring, this bloke. Yeah, and then the acceleration from about the 300 to 200 to put the race away very quickly was was very impressive. I thought not, a, not an option was pretty good from back in the field, but, you know, no, can't take anything away from our playboy, and you know, it'd be interesting to see where they where they head with him because probably a break now and looking for for races races maybe um, in the spring. Dino, I, I probably you know I could have egg on my face now in in spring. I'm saying and not one of their stable stars. Um, is this the turning point for our playboy? No, it's a very straightforward thing with Dave, with him, Dave. Um, he is a wet tracker. He likes yep. soft ground. He hasn't hasn't seen a soft track. Before yesterday, uh, the previous time was when he won the Vane Stakes. Then he ran on good threes, good fours all the way through. Yesterday, he got on soft ground. He's he's a typical uh, you know Sebring. He loves soft ground, and uh, that is the absolute key to him. So they'll go wherever the we- the weather's dirty. I'd imagine. Yeah, and uh, and so they should after yesterday's performance. Guys, we're going to take a quick break. It's 9.25. Now, we've got Peter on the line after the break. And by the way, anyone else that's keen on giving us a call and asking our panel questions this morning, 13.53.53. Andrew Martins, Ian Craig. It's from the Haywood Stable as well. $10 this morning into $6. Oh, hello. They've just uh, updated the table. Well, how many times does this happen when I'm on air that they want to change the tableisator? Uh, fixed odds betting. Oh, my golly, it makes it hard being a race caller trying to do your job. Fair dinkum. Monday's Experts. Monday's Experts. 11am Monday on Racing HQ. Hear ye, hear ye. Former world champion Warrawee Needy has the amazing stats of 50% winners to starters and 34% winners to falls from his first crop. Book now. Europe.com.au. The Punters Panel is the Punters Pal. I did land on our Bella Joe Miss, and I expect many punters too. Brings the, the best form lines to this race, clearly. Uh, 1.7 lengths off Marway last prep, and 2.1 lengths off Malkovich last start is the key form line. Our Bellagio Miss hit the front 100 metres left to run. Now Bellagio Miss is clear. Our Bellagio Miss wins the first midway. The Punters Panel, 9 o'clock Friday morning on Racing HQ, Sky Sports Radio.
Join Hancock's Racing Number 10 Limited. Affordable and fun. Own and race seven horses for three years for only $1,450. No more to pay. Payment plans available. Colts and fillies all by top 20 size with leading trainers in five states. For the PDS, call Shelley or Rod on 03 5274 9171. Website hancocks.com.au. That's Shelley or Rod 03 5274 9171. Hancocks.com.au. This is Punter's Post Mortem Winter Edition, taking your calls on 13 53 53. It's 9.27 on uh, the Punters Postmortem Winter Edition with uh, Chris Roots, Dean Lester and Brad Davidson. And we've got Peter on the line. Uh, good morning, Peter. Good morning, boys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, That's all right, mate. In relation to Race 7 Brisbane on Saturday, uh, the protest between Axe and Snow Zone, um, I just want to say that straight after the race, I sent a text message to a friend of mine saying there will be a protest and it will be upheld. Um, there was severe interference. There was a decent shoulder charge. Um, uh, the snow zone ran out on the course around three to four horses, and the last bump was a decent shoulder charge. And I, uh, I just think the the margin was half an inch, and I think with the thousands invested in these sort of races, that our stewards need to get a little bit tougher with their decisions. I think that it was a poor decision, in my opinion. Entitled to your opinion, Peter. Um, boys, did you uh, watch the Snow Zone Axe race, the Class 6, anyone? Race number 7, did anyone see that footage? Yeah, I saw, saw the footage. I think um, I think Andrew Mallion was on Snow Zone from memory. Um, yep. And he said when he come in, when he come, come out of the protest that he would have been protesting if he got beaten as well. So I think there was, it was, um, there, there was a push and shove both ways there and, you know, one of, those, one of those ones where the stewards have to decide who was at fault and obviously who, who caused the first contact. And often often you don't, you can't see that without seeing the head-on, and I haven't seen the head-on, so I wouldn't want to comment on that. But, you know, um, the comment from Andrew Mallion rings pretty pretty true, pretty pretty strongly with me that he was considering protesting as well. So obviously it was a bit each way. Beautiful, Perth. Oh, go, go, Brad. Yeah, it was one of those ones, wasn't it, where there's been a bit of mixed opinions of uh, from social media. I'm another one who hasn't seen the, the head-on, only watching the, the replay of it, seeing it seeing it right now, basically on the online. But one thing I will say about uh, protest, guys, is I do think we're in a better place than we were sort of five or ten years ago. What, what really bugged me five or ten years ago was this having to prove beyond reasonable doubt all the time that, that the other horse was going to win. Well, I always said in a protest, why should the horse that causes interference get the advantage of the other horse having to prove they were going to win. It should just be who was the most likely horse to win that race. You shouldn't be getting an advantage as you used to in the rules where they seem to be changing that these days and they seem to be saying, well, you know, did the margin, um, you know, was the interference more than the margin? If, if, it, if it was, then, then we overturn the race, which is important. So I think we're getting to a, a better stage with this. But, um, yeah, than five or ten years ago when it was beyond that reasonable doubt. All right, just while we're on it, boys, because it's a beautiful segue, uh, Michael Costa, uh, what a brilliant Grafton Carnival he had, of course, winning the Cup with Perfect Deal and producing a, a number of other good types as well. Uh, he won the, the last there yesterday. I mean, I might come to you here, Chris. Um, you, no doubt, remember Michael from when he was training down here in uh, Sydney uh, and obviously, you know, spent a lot of time there in Grafton. Uh, 
He's a, he's a wonderful uh, horseman, and I tell you what, uh, he's got a good group of owners as well backing him and behind him, and they seem to be buying these cheap horses and having a lot of success. Yeah, he's been he, he's doing a great job up there in Queensland. You've got to remember when he when he hopped to go to Queensland, he gave a gave away a horse called She Will Rain. So yeah, um, that but that that'd be a kick in the guts for anyone's career when you when you're sitting up in Queensland trying to start start a start a stable up there, and you're watching the horse that you had win a Golden Slipper. Um, marvelous photo of him on social media from when he was a steward up on the Northern Rivers there outside the outside the house where he started his dream of winning a Grafton Cup. And quite often you don't appreciate how much these country cups mean to to um, trainers who who are from the regions and things like that and have gone away. Like I know Peter Snowden has a has a great affinity with the Sco, uh, the Musselbrook Club and going back there for for races and and winning scone races and. He, he loved he loved the first time he won a Ramoni. So, um, but I thought the the effort by Michael Costa to take a team there and and have them right on the day and run second in the Ramoni and win the cup was fantastic. Yeah, uh, Brad, I'll come to you. Quick comment here, mate, and then we'll uh, move on. But I know you would have spent time uh, with Michael up on the Gold Coast. Yeah, I met him a few times up there before I moved to Sydney and uh, just a very impressive young man he was at the time and um, what he's been able to do the last two years. Just look at his stats, 411 runners the last two years for 104 winners at 25.3%. He's got one of the best strike rates in the country and basically um, with a few friends we bought a a tried horse on uh, the English sale only uh, a couple of weeks ago and we've actually sent it up to Michael because he's had success with Axe and and a few others there so um, we'll see how it goes up there but just a a tremendous strike rate, and that says two things. One, you're an extremely good trainer, but two, and probably the most important factor of any trainer, is you place your horses right because, uh, you know, that's what the owners want is prize money, and uh, you've got to place them in the right races, and he seems to do that. Mate, um, I'll come to you here, Dino. And by the way, the lines are open. thirteen fifty three fifty three is the open line number. Give us a call if you've got a question for our team. Uh, speaking of uh, good trainers, this first race at Caulfield, I'll be honest, I was on uh, in a multi... Uh, as I'm sure a lot of other people did, Dino, the Godolphin runner, uh, Zapatio. It was impressive on its debut run. Slightly awkward away. I don't know if Ollie wanted to end up um, where he was in the run. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong there. I'm talking through my pocket. But, gee, this this win of Graham Beggs, he can always produce a nice horse, Carney Graham. And these written tycoons, uh, especially these two-year-olds, he's just got an affinity with. He does, uh, and they can be a little bit quirky, so I think he's just got to be, be, be a bit patient more so with the barriers, and uh, I think this filly's had a few issues in that regard, but uh, it, was a, it was a very good win, uh, and a, a very patient ride by Billy Egan. He, he just let her balance up, gave her a chance, and then really hit the line. She was home the eighth best last 200 of the meeting and clearly superior to any other runner in that race. Uh, as you said, with Zapateo, I thought... Probably got an okay spot, but the leaders took him nowhere. They, they were gone on straightening, and she was left out there quite early. Uh, genuine hard luck story in that race was cherry pick. Began really awkwardly, uh, all but probably unseated Brett Preble at the start, and then drove through very quickly to get a spot. And I thought toughed it out really well for Peter Moody. So uh, I don't think this was a bad two-year-old race, but, yeah, he had to be impressed with the winner. While we're on uh, the Caulfield meeting here, Dino, um, a few people here just asking about, uh, you know, the, the big race of the day, which, uh, of course, was a race where we saw Malkovich go around, the Sir John Manish. Um, Red Cam Man, the, uh, another West Aussie comes across and gets the job done, even though it's trained in Victoria now. But 
What do we do with say a horse? There's a couple of punters that have obviously backed William Thomas, and they're just saying, "Is that life now? Do we just is that no more, no more pain?" Oh, uh, well, it was just the wrong race for William Thomas. Barrier one, wait for age. I mean, he's a handicap run on swooper, and Barrier one was never going to suit. And he's on a seven day backup. I've never really liked him in that scenario. So, uh, yeah, you'd probably take it on its merits if he runs in three or four weeks' time. Um, I don't want to see him back up again for a while. Uh, but uh, Red Can Man's a um, – there was very big offers for him about this time last year from one of the uh, bigger eastern states uh, stables to buy him and uh, and it fell through and, and they raced him through the summer carnival last year in Perth. But he's over here now and uh, same connections but uh, with David Brido training and uh, he got away from the straight track and a wet track first up where he was a, a little bit plain. And he really rode a, a good speed on Saturday and, and sat right on Melkovich. And I thought it was a, a good ride by Ben Mellon because he was on a horse that can run a strong 1,400 and just kept pushing Melkovich along and uh, ultimately was able to chip away. And the other thing he did was I think probably most people thought Melkovich and Villamai had settled one too. He took Villamai back a pair and then she had to make up a, a bit of ground on them and she's run okay. But uh, I just thought it was a really smart ride by Ben Mellon. Uh, Viridine... Yeah, it was Viridine, uh, but he was genuinely unlucky because uh, every time he went for a, a run, that like he got on the back of Order of Command, who you thought would have been a good little chance in the race, and he went nowhere, and he sort of had to keep changing lanes, trying to find a run, and he actually hit the line really well. Uh, what do we make? Go, Chris. Do you think Malkovich runs a strong 1,100 still? Be, because he, he basically... Beat the others fairly easily, and he was—he was, he was just a stronger sprinter. Got him on the line, really. Yeah, and and I think really good tactics too, Chris. So I'm I'm not knocking him at 1100, and the figures would suggest he ran to about his best. So uh, I, I'm happy to think he runs that, and around this grade, uh, he's you know he's very competitive. He's probably even better on a bit softer ground than he got on Saturday too. What um, does any of you boys know uh, from or chatting with Bjorn over the weekend? Uh, the, the plans for Malkovich. I mean, he's obviously got a big rap on the horse. Every time I've spoken to him before, uh, well, before the first up, or well, before the first run in Melbourne, and of course before the Sir Monash, he's, uh John Monash, he's sort of you know saying, "Now nah, this horse is you know really going to just keep maturing, etc." Um, any any indication over the weekend where? Malkovich goes to stay in Melbourne. Does it come back to Sydney and find something? I think he'll. I think he'll probably have a break now, Davey. Okay. And they'd be almost a little bit wary of wary of jumping to wait for age there on the weekend. Thought it was a big test, but um, I think he ticked that box. And he's a horse. I think if they can get him to just settle off the speed one time and 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 have a have a trail, he might even he might even be able to get, to win a bigger race where where he's not. The target for everyone. That's what he was on the weekend. He was he had the target on his back, and as Dino said, just a brilliant ride from Ben Mellon brought him under. His status on the rise the website, guys, just says he's spelling. So you're right there, Chris. Okay, so he's so he's gone to the paddock uh, and a deserved little break, picking some grass. Well, we're going to um, 9:37. Uh, we'll um, open up these lines. As I've said 13:53.53 is the open line number. Uh, I'll come to you, Brad, uh, because we'll talk about Sydney. Obviously, we lost the last couple of races with that weather that was rolling in. In your notes for your form, uh, how are you uh, assessing this meeting, mate? Did you need to be up on speed in a certain part of the track? Yeah, look, I think fencing run on the day was definitely key, particularly when the uh, the rain arrived uh, later on in the day. It became more and more pronounced, no doubt about it, that last two or three races. If you weren't fencing run, it was 
it was very, very hard to win. So I think that was definitely a factor. I think up on speed was a, was another little positive. We saw, you know, Perigord, Zorro Cat, who absorbed a lot of pressure and, and kept on finding um, from the front there, from the bush earlier in the day in Sky Command as well. So, yep, I think uh, up on speed, but fence in run was, was definitely a, a key there on, on the weekend. All right. Um, we've got Mark on the line. Good morning, Mark. Morning, boys. Uh, halfway mark. Absolutely low flying. I reckon he's grown a leg this prep. Is there anything, is there a nice race somewhere? I, I don't know where, but do you know anything in Melbourne or anything in Sydney? 2,400? He'll be, he'll be going to 2,400 in two weeks, so 78. Um, spoke to Bjorn yesterday. He, um, was talking to him. He, he, he's actually a son of Galileo, which unfortunately, who we unfortunately lost on the weekend. And Bjorn, he, he, he's, he's wrapped in the horse. He just thinks he's going really well. And he said, it's the best horse I've ever, best, best bred horse I've ever trained. Like Galileo Machida, you'll, you'll, um, you'll find it hard to find a better bred horse in the country. Where he yeah. gets to but is um, is is going to be interesting because after the twenty four hundred in two weeks, there's not much for him. So Bjorn's sort of in a in a in a, a position where he's trying to work out whether he gets into a race like a Wong New, Newcastle Cup Metropolitan, where he's going to get into. But I think I think he is low flying. The, the acceleration from the three hundred to the two hundred when he put that build away on Saturday, I know they they're probably not in his class, but he. He quickly put them away. And the other thing with the racing on Saturday, if you handled the ground, it was a massive advantage. So it didn't really matter where you were in the run if you were handling the ground. Most of the winners were the last horses to come off the bit. And that's what that's what Bandersnatch did did in the winner's stake. If you can if you on that sort of ground, if you can stay on the bit for long longer than any other horse, you're gonna win ninety nine ninety nine races out of hundred because you just aren't aren't um floundering in the conditions, and you, you saw that with a number of horses in behind leaders on the weekend. Yeah, I don't know where he goes, but he, he's flying that horse. Anyway, thanks, guys. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Mark. Yeah, I, I must admit, um, from a, and if someone from Derby is listening, or maybe one of you boys know, but I mean, the, this import, um, I'm not sure how much they paid for him. It looked, was he an ex, um, was he an ex Coolmore horse? Exactly. And I think they, they bought him. Bought him out of a, I, I, I think they bought him out of a Tattersall sale. He's he's definitely one of those horses that they bought thinking he'd get to a Group Two, two Group Three level in Australia as a stayer. And um, I think Rachel King said after the race that he's just he's just gone to a different level now. So he's one of those horses that after a couple of preparations in Australia, he will he's got he's he's stepping up. And you know we'll we'll see. We're going to see a nice horse in in um, time. It's just how Bjorn gets into those bigger races because there's not many options in August, August, August for for him. So he's going to have to be going to be a, a bit of a trick to get him there. But that's 78, um, 2400 metres. You're going to be taking a short quote about him in a couple of weeks. Mm. You look at his uh, form in his, in his you know early days over overseas. Second Il Paradiso, he was bumping in a horse like Dashing Willoughby, of course, running that Melbourne Cup Stradivarius, TXB. I mean, they're serious horses over there. And third preparation in Australia, I agree with the listener. He's definitely gone to a new level, this prep. His first two runs were, were simply outstanding. The run at Rose Hill, too, back uh, uh, off a slow tempo. He produced the best late splits of the day. And then he did what not many horses did there on the weekend, get back, give him mm. a start. He wasn't fenced in run. And he put him to the sword. So, yep, 2400 is going to really suit him. 
I think he's a horse that can continue to progress. The figures weren't anything out of this world, I must admit that, but I think he's a horse that uh, will be very hard to beat in a couple of weeks' time. And uh, I say it with these days a lot, Dave, is that um, I think it's a lot easier to go through the ranks in Australia as a stayer than it is sprinters. I think it's harder to go to the top level as a sprinter, but stayers, it's not a great deal of difference in these benchmark races to listed Group 3 races and even Group 2 races and, and on from there. There was a bit of uh, drama in that race too, wasn't there, Chris, uh, with our intrigue? Uh, Nash uh, pleading guilty to that careless um, riding. Um, and obviously our intrigue, you know, uh, looked, um, just looking at this report, obviously, you know, past the 200, humidity's mount, the shift out. This is obviously Nash uh, whilst riding along, resulting in our intrigue being taken out and making contact uh, with Montebot, um, being checked and losing its rightful running. Um, so Nash on the sidelines again, um, and uh, you know a, a bit of information. I think the uh, the run of our intrigue. She, she was sort of looming there for a stage, wasn't she? Not saying she was going to win the race, but do you think she would have been in the finish? So she loomed that as soon as she come off the bridle, she was she was struggling in those conditions. So mm. I think um, the Kiwi form said she might struggle on a, on wet ground, and she certainly did. Nash is in an, uh, an interesting situation now. He, he's um. That was his ninth suspension in the last 12 months. So under the template that the stewards use in New South Wales, he, he, he garnered a 50% um, increase on any penalty he gets. So it started at seven metres. He, his guilty plea took it up, to, uh, give, gave him 10% off. He gets 50% loading. So, you know, 10 metres is a long stint. And, you know, when you get to that area, and I think we've had a couple of jockeys get to these um, um, seven to nine suspensions, it just it just means that when you get when when you do the wrong thing, your 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 um your stints on the sidelines are, are a lot longer and it's a, a major punishment. So um, Nash probably needs a, a good three or four months without a suspension just to get his record record back down to a level where he he's not getting a loading. And see, that's something very interesting. I don't think maybe there'd be some partners out there listening to this that wouldn't know that. Is it a similar situation in other states as well? Like Dino, is that the same in Melbourne? Sorry, Dave. Is it the same in Melbourne with the stewards? Obviously, if you have a particular jockey that gets so many suspensions, uh, Chris was just sort of saying that there's obviously, you know, a loading up here in New South Wales where... Yeah, yeah, there is. Uh, um, you know, conversely, if they, you know, got a good clean sheet, uh, they, you know, they, they can sometimes get a discount for their excellent riding. But, uh, yeah, it's certainly there is a, there is a loading and, uh, and a, uh, you know, if you're continually uh, transgressing, it, it adds up. Let's get to our next caller. We've got Bob on the line. Morning, Bob. Hello. How are you, Bob? What's your question to the panel, mate? Uh, look, mate, uh, the last two races were caught off on Saturday. Uh, do you know when they're going to be run? Chris, Brad, um, what, what happens to those last two races? Do they get run or do they get uh, shelled for another time? I think they've been, they've been caught off completely and... Honestly, when you got to when after the winter stakes there being at Randwick, it was very gloomy. If, if they had lights, they would have definitely been on. I think if it was if it was if it was cricket, they would have been on. They would have gone off forty five minutes before that because it was get, getting to a stage where where it was very dark and wasn't. What happened on that wet track with the kickback? It just makes it impossible for the jockeys to see. I think the track was safer, but it was more the vi- the vision. It was just getting more and 
darker and darker, and they really had no option but to call off the last two races. Mm. Just a question on the text line, Chris. And again, information that you can let us know. What what happens? So there's obviously, you know, uh, overall, what, $260,000 um, in prize money that was going to be, you know, forked out in race nine and race ten. What happens to that? Does that get redistributed by the ATC or by Race New South Wales? So what happens with prize money in New South Wales? The um, uh, First of all, to answer the question, question of the list of Bob, uh, the races are, are completely wiped. I think a lot of the horses are nominated for Wednesday and they'll be nominated next Saturday, so they'll just have to find another race for them. They won't re, the, reprogram the races. That, you're there, mate? They won't reprogram the race? Uh, well, we no. just might, have, might, might have lost you. We might have lost you there, Chris. Have we got you back, mate? Yeah, got you. Yep, and then and what about that that prize money? So that just gets redistributed and goes back into the pool of prize yeah, prize money. So, so what happens with prize money in New South Wales? Um, it's it's put into a pool. So uh, our prize money, the prize money for New South Wales, they they basically budget for one hundred and ten percent of of um of budget of prize money. So uh, extra ten percent is for meetings that are called off and things like that. So that just falls back into the pool and. You know, it, it'll um, it'll end up it'll end up coming coming back around at a different time. So, you know, they they understand that you're going to lose a race here and there, and that's what's happened. You've, they've lost these races, unfortunately, for anyone who's got a horse in them. They they've got to find another race, and uh, and there might not be a similar race for a couple of these horses for three or four weeks. What do we think, gentlemen, uh, in general about the? Ten races on the card, uh, and I mean, obviously we're in winter, so we're starting at eleven o'clock, and what finishing at uh, at four thirty. What do we think, Brad? Yeah, it's a, it's a longer race day, no doubt about that. Longer for the participants and and whatnot. And I've seen a little bit of, uh, I suppose, criticism on on social media of it. Um, I guess my argument would be is is if you if you uh, you know if the participants are okay with it, then then roll on. I mean, Saturday's a race day where wagering is is so much above any other race day, so we're trying to make the most of that as it is and. For the people, you know, being critical out there, well, just don't watch the first race or don't watch the second race or don't yeah, watch the last that's race. True. It's totally up to you. Exactly. Uh, Chris, your personal thoughts? It's a long day from the 10 races. And, you know, it used to be carnival days where we had 10. I think then I would remember when, when eight, eight, was the, 8 was the number and, you know, you started at 12 o'clock and you're finished by 5 o'clock. You know, this is, this is, this is the way the world's going because of um, turnover and that. As Brad said, we've got to try and maximise the the best day, and that's why we've got ten races now, and that's why we went to nine races a couple of years ago in both Sydney and Melbourne. It's all about um, growing the pie so that we can race for these these incredible amounts of prize money. It's one hundred thirty thousand now in Sydney standard Saturday in prize money, one hundred thousand for a highway, one hundred thousand for a midway. So without the putters betting, that that prize money wouldn't be there. And a comment from you, Dino. Yes, Dave, sadly I can remember Derby Day when it was seven races uh, in Melbourne back in the late 70s, early 80s and even we tried ten races on Derby Day in the uh, you know, about 2009, 2010 but uh, yeah, it, is a, it is a lot but I mean the turnover is what pushes the industry and uh, if Saturday's the main day, uh, well so be it, it's probably it's, you know, it's here to stay and uh, the the success of the highways and now, you know, the the uh, introduction of the midways is, uh, you know, the next chapter. And I think it'll only be a matter of time and, and Melbourne will follow suit because uh, there's that 
nearly 50-minute lag between uh, the first race at uh, in Sydney and the first race in Melbourne, um, you know, there's, there's a little gap to fill. There certainly is. Uh, with the... Uh the general state of of racing on Saturday. I mean, if we were having a bet, boys, do you think that a majority of states down the track would be getting to this sort of uh, size in terms of their their cards? I think the key is the. I think the key is the participants at the end of the day. It's one of those that they've got to be comfortable with it. You know, jockeys, if they're happy to ride those those ten races consistently. The strappers, the trainers, and all that. You know, I, I think it's probably more a a question for the industry and, and whatnot, but it seems to be okay. And if there's no complaints there, I, I would think, Dave, that, that most are going to be sort of heading down that path, as Dino said, because, you know, the, the, the racing clock, you, you want to be making the most of it. And if there is that 50-minute gap, then uh, there, there's a chance there to, to maximise wagering. All right. Um, I've got a text here from Doug, which I can answer. Hi, it goes, hi, guys. I've been a punter for many years and like to use the Tab app to do form uh, and watch the videos. Why is it the videos of Melbourne races aren't available? I barely bet there now because of this. Uh, love the show. Cheers, Doug. It's purely a contractual thing, uh, Doug. Uh, so, obviously, uh, Tab, uh, racing.com and, and Sky, Thoroughbred Central, etc. That that particular contractual issue. So, we're not allowed to uh, to show those races on our digital platform. You have to go to the racing.com website. It's the same, I think, with Adelaide races as well. You can't get um, Adelaide races on there. The Victorian replays are on immediately uh, on the TAB website until midnight of that day. So yes. straight after a race, you can watch them until midnight of that race day. So uh, if uh, if the TAB website is your habit, um, yeah, do your replays straight after a meeting. Just Perfect on that, guys, thing. I know that uh, they were chatting, what, about 12 months ago now. I think there was a lot of discussion around sharing those replays and, and making it sort of easier on, on both websites in Victoria and New South Wales. So hopefully the administrators are continue to have those discussions because uh, no doubt it'd be a bit frustrating for punters having to go to one website for one set of replays and another website when doing the form. So hopefully we can get that on a, an even uh, even field going forward. Yeah, it, it is something that... Um, geez, it'd be nice if they all got together and smoked the peace pipe and uh, <laughs> said a bit of kumbaya because I tell you what, we'd be, uh, as punters, we'd be reaping the rewards. Dino, just on, on Melbourne... That, uh, yeah, just on Melbourne... Um, and, and, and so, not so much uh, Melbourne Metro, but is there any update for us punters? Like, there was a horse, um, the American Pharaoh filly, um, yep. that Mellon rode. Now, I got a I got a tip for it, and we spoke about it and had a bit of a laugh, but on the Big Sports Breakfast, and dead set, uh, for the next 45 minutes of Racing HQ, it would have taken me to, to find that particular jump out at Flemington and go th- into YouTube and search this and search that. I mean... Is there any light at the end of the tunnel in making those? I know that they're looking at putting them on the web down there and whatnot, but is there going to be a system, say, like we have here in, in Sydney and in even other jurisdictions where it's just you go to a, the particular, um, you know, the state body's website, you click on a jump out, you click on a trial, and, and every single horse has its its video there, or is it just not not the way, not the, way the, the gravy's made down there? Uh, well, it's not so much that, Dave. Uh, there's not many official trials here that we don't, they just don't run them for whatever reason. They don't run them like, uh, you do up there. And, uh, that's, that's another topic. But, uh, they're always on the racing.com website. And now a few of the clubs have, they've always had their individual jump outs, as you've just mentioned on YouTube. They've had their own YouTube channels, whether it be Ballarat, Cranbourne, etc. I see that uh, Cranbourne and Ballarat are the first two that have linked up with the Racing.com website, so they're at least there. I think Flemington will 
go on board in the next few weeks and hopefully, uh, not that they'll be training at Caulfield for much longer. The exodus there is rapid. Uh, trainers have been given an incentive to get out of Caulfield as quick as they can and uh, I think I don't know by Caulfield Cup Day whether there'll be a trainer even on the track at Caulfield, uh, so hence um, how quickly the uh, the exodus has been. It was supposed to be a five-year plan, and we're about two and a bit years into it. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, so I, but I don't think we'll have to worry about Caulfield jump-outs for much longer, but Cranbourne certainly the one where the most jump-outs are and probably the second most, uh, Ballarat, and I see at least they're both on the uh, racingdog.com website under, uh, under yeah. a horse's name at the moment. What's okay. the track right. quality like of those, Dino? Like they used to be, it used to feel like it was done on an iPhone, shaking a little bit. But they fixed uh, camera now. Yeah, the well, I, I can only speak of uh, Cranbourne. They've they've bought a you know proper uh, camera to to do them uh, to do them up properly, and I think the the quality's uh, adequate, probably similar to a you know a normal set of trials and. Ballarat could be a little bit better uh, because Ballarat, they do get a long way away from them at some points uh, and Pakenham could probably do the same. But uh, Flemington's are, are well filmed and, and certainly Caulfields and Cranbourne are very well filmed. But uh, yeah, there's a, there's a couple that still need improving. And they, look, at least, I mean, there, there was, it's only in the last three years that the trainers have actually had to register which horse was, was what. You know, you were, you were watching jump outs and you could see that, you know, um, Kieran Ma had three in the trial, but they didn't have to nominate which what they were. So you didn't you didn't have a clue. You were working on markings, and yeah, it was mm. a bit of fun of de- detective work. But it comes very tiresome after uh, yeah week in week out. So um, anyway, it's uh, it's made progress. Uh, it's been way too slow, uh, and there was a lot of resistance from trainers for whatever reason, because not many of them are actually punting stables anymore anyway, uh, and they've actually now started to embrace it because they can use it, uh, the vision, and say, here's your horse running second to this city-winning yeah. horse uh, to the owners. So the owners get a feedback straight away. Um, they're not, oh, you ran second to Jimmy, uh, whoever Jimmy may be. Uh, the, you're running second to a, you know, a proven horse. So it's, it, it's made progress. It, it certainly has, and, and the mindset of the trainers has certainly changed. Exactly, and just on that too, the the from just a few discussions I've had is that uh, the the thought process now of the uh, those particular trainers, any of those owners, is getting that vision to to other jurisdictions in terms of, i.e., Hong Kong. Um, if you've got that vision readily available and you want to uh, be selling that horse somewhere, um, we've got the vision there. Just on uh, a bit of a news out of the ATC boys, um, there's a bit of a media release which will be out and about. It might already be out as we speak, but I've just been emailed it about the Golden Slipper. Uh, it is only July, um, and it's the 12th of July, but the dream starts well and truly now. Uh, 2,302 horses nominated for that Golden Slipper uh, next year, and uh, it'll be run on the 19th of March, 2022. Now, the uh, the number of entries for the 66th running of the iconic race, it's the third highest in the event's history. So um, it's up 69 on last year's first nominations, of course, Lots of dreams in terms of these early noms, but just in terms of uh, stables, you mentioned the Ma uh, Eustace stable then, Dino. Well, they've got the largest amount of uh, noms, 132. Godolphin next on 105, Gay Waterhouse 91, Mick Price Racing and Breeding 88, Chris Waller 82, Annabelle Neesham 79. And we'll chat with Annabelle later on Monday's Experts. Looking forward to her story. What a season she's had in debut. Uh, ben and JD Hay 61, Hawks with 60 and 
54 for Richard and Michael Friedman. And I'm Invincible tops them with 122 in terms of nomination. So, look, it's uh, the dream's going to start there for one lucky particular horse, and that'll all unfold uh, next season as it rolls through. Now, what about um, some... I'll go, Dino. Were you going to comment there? I was just going to say, it's... Uh, I mean, it is exciting now that you know, the actual winner of the Golden Slippers... Is there in that list? I know it's a big list, but uh, for those dreaming of it, it's uh, it's very exciting. Um, boys, I think we've got Kurt on the line. He oh, was uh, he was ringing. He was ringing to try and get Don. Uh, morning, Kurt. Yeah, morning, mate. Is there something if I could quickly have one, have a chat to the boys? Yes, mate. Way you go. G'day, Dave. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, did you think I was? Did you think I was the uh, producer then, Tanya? Yeah. Well, I just heard someone say you're ready. Go, go on. Oh, right. Oh, jeez. You're there. You go. All right. All right. Well, hang on. Hang on. All right. Hang on. Three, two. All right. All right. It's nine fifty-eight. Sky Sports Radio. Now we've got Kurt on the line. Morning, Kurt. Yeah. G'day, Dave. Dave, can you hear me, mate? Can you hear that noise? <laughs> What's that noise, mate? Well, anyway, if you can't hear it, that's fine. But I got massive feedback. But anyway. I just want to say, uh, Dave, I've got my Caulfield Cup horse, boys. Oh, here we go. Okay, righto. What is it? Dino? Dino, Kurt. I was saving this for the A team, but I don't know when Ronnie's going to come back. He's probably gone for nah, ages. he's got too much money already. We need it. Gone. Yep. $34 and $9.30. Dawn yep. Patrol for Lloyd Williams and Aidan O'Brien, Dean. You might be betting in the wrong race, Kurt. The Cosy Oscar. No, well, I wanted it for yep. the Cox Plate, but I don't no, think... No, I would be backing it in the Melbourne Cup if I was you, Kurt. Oh, well, I've got him in the Caulfield Club, Cup, Dean. I don't know, about 3,200 metres. No, well, I'm giving you a free tip here, Kurt. He's in quarantine as we speak, and he's going to be coming out for the Melbourne Cup, OK? All right, well, that's good. I'm going to change my bet to the Melbourne Cup because I already backed in the Caulfield Cup. OK, no worries. All right. So Have you got 34, anything uh, early, Dean? Uh, um, I've got him, yep. Absolutely, I've had a little uh, something. Oh, you got him o- too. What else? Yeah, in the Melbourne Cup, uh, Pondus. Yep. And uh, a little something on Grand Promenade. They're the three I've had a little something on. Don't you think ja- Pondus a bit dour for the distance? Oh, I don't mind that for a two-mile race. I don't think he'll be sharp enough for Caulfield Cup, but uh, he's a bit better horse than he was when we saw him here last year, I think. Yeah. Just interjecting. Just interjecting for a second. Hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on, Kurt. Hang on, hang on. Oh, because there's a there's something good to come out of this. So, definitely in quarantine and definitely going through all those procedures. Um, Dawn Patrol. Dino. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be in the early shipment, uh, Dave. He's not going to be in that any, late. He, he he'll come out to on early. Radio down there, Dean, and told you. Sorry. Has Lloyd been on radio and told everyone down there? Because he hasn't been on radio there, telling people, Kurt. No. All right. How many are in that first shipment, Dino? Uh, well, it'll be. I think they're mainly just Lloyd Williams' owned horses um, right. that he's bringing out, and but there's there'll be a lot of lightly raced horses that won't be Cups horses this year, but they'll be coming out here uh, to train on. But there'll be certainly Pondus, uh, Dawn Patrol. I don't think Twilight Payment will come back, uh, and Master Reality will be doubtful as well. And right, Dino, perfect. Yes, Kurt. Just one last one, mate. The the first starter by Headwater yesterday, head first for Kent and Kent Junior and Price. It was a very easy win, Kurt. I don't know about the depth of the race. That was at Wodonga, what we're talking about. Played up in the barriers, was vetted, pass fit to run, one by time. five and a half lengths, 
did win very well, and uh, I would say you would think a, a midweeker at Sandown or something would be within its scope because it had a fair bit in the tank. And Dean, can I say, Craig Evans, thank God he's back, mate. You love Craig, don't you? Uh, mate, honestly, I don't want to bag callers down there, but he's in front of a few, and the way they treat him there, they put him on third Victorian greyhound meets. I mean, is that fair income or what? We're talking about a bloke that's caught overseas in the in the in the you know group ones and that. Well, I think that's what he does. He makes his money in Dubai for the uh, for the season, and then just cruises along and calls a meeting whenever he feels like it. Oh, yeah. fair enough. I guess he he knows where he's. Uh, now, Brad, Kurt, Red's do you have any? Have you got any questions for for Brad or or Chris? Yes, please. Well, my homework for last week, Dave, is Lunti is going to be headed for the for the Broadmeadow Cup because that's my horse there. No, I'm not right. sure, Chad. I, I don't know if I can even ask, answer it. I'm not the A team. We're not the A team after all. So <laughs> yeah, we yeah you should. You're the in a sec. You have these blokes' phone numbers left, right, and centre. You can't ring Chris Lee's up. <laughs> Surprised you're talking to us. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to ring Chris Lee's. Good old Kurt from Paddo. Good on you, mate. Oh, so anything for anything for Ruder at all? Because Chris was armed with all... He's done all the, you know, the, the Newmark form and had a horse to follow. Nothing? Ruder? Well, what about Starman in the Newmark at July Cup? Did you see that one? <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a good win, wasn't it, Kurt? I thought, I, Aussie Tom. He, he, he just exploded up that hill at Newmarket, so... Can I, can I, up to our sprinters though, and um, he's probably found his found found his group one over there. I thought I, I, I thought Mother Earth was pretty good. Good. I thought it was home on on Friday night in uh, uh, Falmouth. Yeah. See that race, Kurt. Yeah, Chris. Can I just say they're, they're good horses, the ones that win over there, like the Starmans and the Saint Basilica, Saint Marks of Basilica, and that. But honestly, if I'm not trying to bag their horses over there. But if they were here and we and were up against our ordinary horse flesh that we got running every day over here, I'm not saying they wouldn't win their finals that they'd go in, but they'd find it much tougher than what they do over there. They just dead set bolt in there, and that the horse flesh over there compared to our horse flesh is just uncom. You can't compare it, mate. I think you're being a bit hard on that, Mark Basilica. It did panel a day there the other day in the eclipse, so. Um and it's now rated the best horse in the world, so um, unfortunately won't see it here, but I, I can't wait to see it again. All right, beautiful, Kurt. I like that. In the inclusion of you other two blokes, uh, Brad and Chris, that was good, and uh, Dino there with Dawn Patrol. Rest. That was good. Mate, well, I tell you what, you were, you were trying to steer him in. You were saying, mm-hmm. listen, no, 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 this one, but um, that's all right. He'll, uh, he's, he's on the Caulfield Cup, so... We should try and get we should try and get uh, Lloyd's number to Kurt, and uh, they can just have a wow. nice conversation. How do you think that'd go? Uh, no, <laughs> it wouldn't end well. wouldn't end well. Wouldn't end well. It but, wouldn't uh, start. <laughs> it wouldn't yeah. start. Um, how many do you think Lloyd will bring down, Dino? Just there's a text uh, on the text line. Like, and, and the other part of the the text as well. And I'm not sure of this. We may have spoken about it in previous shows with this these testing. So let's say if Lloyd has a team of 10, uh, and three of them are going to target these, you know, big races uh, this spring, but the other seven aren't. The other seven is going to come down and acclimatise and mm-hmm. be rolled out eventually. Do those other seven have to go through the rigorous testing as well? Well, they they won't have to go through the... They'll have to go through the testing as if they were trained domestically if they go to a cup in time. And that's what... Uh, Dawn Patrol will come down and be part of the Macedon team, I'd imagine. And... Uh, 
because of the time frame they're coming out, and the other one, uh, um, Pondus. I think they'll both uh, they'll both be uh, through Macedon, so they will go through the uh, they'll go through the scanning of you know because they'll have been racing here. Um, I would say both of those horses would have a couple of runs before the Melbourne Cup, so it'll be uh, yeah different to the fly in fly out situation of the horses coming in like two to three weeks before. So it's a, a little bit different again. I think. They might be arriving in the next three or four weeks. So, okay, beautiful. Uh, let's get some horses to follow them, gents. Uh, we'll start with you, Brad. Uh, on the Sydney meeting, what's your horse or horses to follow? Yeah, horse for me, guys. Dragonstone in race number one. They ran super time there, much quicker than the other eleven hundred meter race on the day, which it rains throughout the day. So we've got to keep that in mind. But produced the best last eight, six, four, and two hundred meter splits of the day. Wasn't fencing run either, and got a long, long way back there. So. I thought it was a super run, Dragonstone. And just for Kurt, I did touch base with Jock Galogli, and Jock's told me that Lunty will be going through his grade to be back racing in three to four weeks after that soft trial at Musbrook the other day. So just winding you up, Kurti boy, and Lunty will be back soon. Chris, what's your horse to follow, mate? Mm, uh, Dave, uh, mine's Canadian, Canadian Spice. I thought um, Mr. Kick there on Saturday went, ended up off the back of the field instead of being in the box seat and loomed up in the straight hope I think Chris Waller will try and find another race before the end of the three year old season with it to to go through to um to go with it. I thought Harpo Mark, the absolute obvious, absolutely low flying and Yee Yee, which won at the last Newcastle, Chris Waller's two hundredth winner in in New South Wales for the season, I think it's gonna to come to town and be a very nice horse in time. All right, beautiful. And Dino, what about our horses to follow there? Yeah, we've got uh, three. Sacred Palace, I think uh, Lindsay Smith worked this horse out. He's a run-on sprinter. He, he nearly spoilt the uh, Jamie Carr party there on Saturday. If he got clear, he may well have won. Uh, he's going really well. horse called Melodian, who basically is a Mooney Valley specialist now. She ran first up, ran very well. We're back at, we back uh, start racing at Mooney Valley in three weeks. I think she'll be ready to go for the uh, first meeting back. And Zesty Bell from the Allerton Zara team ran really well first up and uh, she looks to have really filled out and maybe matured. She might be in for a really good campaign. So Sacred Palace, Melody and Zesty Bell. Beautiful, guys. Thanks so much for joining us on this Monday morning for the second of the winter edition of Punters Post Morning. We'll catch you next week. Thanks, Thanks Dave.